Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Christ Center. Hope uh, your day is going well. How many of you are enjoying the sunshine? Anyone in here? Woo! So glad, so glad. Turn to your neighbor and say, sunshine good. Turn to your other neighbor and say, snow bad. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you skiers and snowboarders are going, I rebel. Well, my name is Steve Haney. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at Christ Center. And uh, we're just so honored that you would be with us today, whether you're here or online. We just never, ever take it for granted that you are here joining us. Hopefully, God will inspire you, encourage you, speak to you today. Um, I do want to say, you know, over in this corner, uh, we take prayer very seriously. And so every week, we have folks over in this corner willing to pray for you, and, and that happens throughout the service. So at any moment, if you just feel God speaking to you about going forward for prayer, please do that. It's a value of ours. It's very uh, important that we make space for that in our service. So we're in a series called The Hearing Heart, and I'm excited about this. As a matter of fact, the title of my message this morning is called The Hearing Heart Starts with a Yielded Heart. And I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you have ever been given a pretty big responsibility, like bigger than you wanted to take on. Anyone here? Like maybe it was when you first got married and you're standing nervously, you know, next to your spouse and the minister is saying, do you promise to love this person in sickness and in health and when good times and bad times, when uh, you're richer or poorer and all these vows and you're like, that's a lot. You take that seriously. It's a huge responsibility. And what about when you're holding your child for the first time? When you're looking at that little baby and you recognize that the success of that baby's life in many ways depends on your choices and your actions and your capacity to be a good parent. You feel the weight of that responsibility. Every couple of years, I share an inspiring story from history that is, uh, is one of my favorites, actually. And um, this particular story is the Battle of Gettysburg. But it's not just the Battle of Gettysburg. It actually takes place on just the ledge of this rocky, small mountain called Little Round Top. And it was on this little rocky ledge, small mountain, that really the history uh, of the Battle of Gettysburg was won. And in fact, probably the entire battle, the entire Civil War was won in this moment. It was that significant. There was a, a man, he was actually a professor, a professor of theology and of romance novels. What a combination. And he became a colonel. His name was Joshua Chamberlain. Was, uh, was someone that took on the role of, of his leadership very seriously, that responsibility. And he had a regiment called the 20th Maine. And they had traveled for five days 107 miles to get to the Battle of Gettysburg. And the last day they traveled 26 miles 
And when they got to the battle, they were exhausted. They were absolutely spent. Maybe like some of you are today. You just get weary. You get tired. The, the journey seems long. Anyways, they, they gathered the troops and, and were preparing, and, and, and they were given the command to go and recover so that they would have strength to join the fight. And so they, they went to this little rocky ledge, this small mountain called Little Round Top. And it was there that they were going to rest and recover and gain strength to be able to get in the fight. But when they got there, the leadership realized that forming below them at the base of Little Round Top was an army. And Joshua Chamberlain knew exactly what was happening. It was the 15th Alabama. They were known to be a fierce fighting force. Veterans of the war, uh, they, they often made the statement that we've never been beat. They were hardened soldiers ready to fight. And their, their goal and their objective was to come up little round top and flank the northern army from behind. And Joshua Chamberlain knew that. And as exhausted as they were, as tired as they were, blisters and, and you name it, they gathered all their ammo, they gathered their guns, and they prepared to defend Little Round Top. And then finally, Joshua Chamberlain gave the orders to charge. And the two armies met. And what you need to know is the 15th Alabama had twice as many riflemen as the 20th Maine. The 20th Maine was almost hopelessly outnumbered. But they fought. They fought hard, sending ammo. As a matter of fact, Chamberlain would later recall, he remembers hearing cries, screams. He remembers feeling bullets whiz by his head. He remembers hearing the clanking of steel, the smell of gunpowder, the cursing, the prayers. And at sometimes he'd look around him and he actually says that he saw more of the enemy around him than he actually saw his own soldiers. And they fought hard. And somehow miraculously baptized in that firefight against the 15th Alabama, the 20th Maine prevailed, and they held their ground. The 15th Alabama went back down the hill to recoup, while the 20th Maine gathered whatever resources they possibly could, but realized that they were out of ammo. No more ammunition. And so some of the officers and some of the soldiers... started saying, we need to retreat. We have no hope for victory here. Let's go. Let's get out of here. But Joshua Chamberlain had a responsibility. That was his mountain. It was the 20th Maine's mountain. And if that mountain fell, the north would fall. And so he said two words. He said, fix bayonets. That's all they had. 
No more ammo. All they had were their bayonets. And so they put their bayonets on their guns, and then Joshua Chamberlain gave the order to attack. And so they went down Little Round Top and in, a, in a wheel formation and came around. And the 15th Alabama was so surprised by this that they were taken off guard. And 400 enemy soldiers were captured that day. And the 20th Maine held Little Round Top. And in so doing, saved the Union. Joshua Chamberlain took responsibility for that mountain. What if the mountain that God has given you, whatever that may be, what if by you defending that mountain, by you saving that mountain, you actually save so much more? Those soldiers and Joshua Chamberlain could have probably never imagined what that one-hour skirmish would result in. And what if saving your mountain might save so much more? It is with that thought in mind I want to read a scripture today. It's going to be kind of our ground zero. It's Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to start in verse 14. And we're going to read the story of the, the parable of the, the talents. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And then we're going to pause here. And immediately he went on a journey. Does that sound like anyone you know? Well, it's Jesus, isn't it? He delivered the goods, and then he left. That's our story, church. Jesus came for a 33-year time slot, an incursion into humanity. And then Christ's body ascended into heaven, and yet the body of Christ remains today. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones that he has given the goods to, the talents. It's you and it's me. It's our responsibility. Okay, go ahead. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, a long time, how many of you think it's been a long time? How many of you are ready for Jesus to come back right now? After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. Now, what's a talent? A talent was actually money. And a, t a talent was worth 6,000 denarii. 
and a denarius was worth a day's wage. So you can imagine how much one talent was worth. In other words, this master who obviously represents Jesus delivered something very valuable to his servants. Isn't that true? You see, he's delivered to us the Holy Spirit, purpose, grace, forgiveness. The Bible says that God pours out his love in us so that we can pour out that same love into other people. God has certainly given the goods to us and the talents. I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back at least with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A few principles from this section of Scripture. The first principle is this. Your contribution to the kingdom really matters. I want you to let that sink in. Your contribution to the kingdom really matters. It is significant. You see, we are participants. We're not spectators. And that is why we are all accountable for what we do or do not do. Just as the unprofitable servant was accountable, one day we will also stand in account. You see, there's going to be two judgments One for those that knew the Lord, and one for those that didn't. For those of us that know the Lord, there's going to be the the judgment seat of Christ. And at that judgment, it's going to show what we've done with the talents. And the Bible says that there will be those that show up, that they, they come in basically escaping from a fire, 
In other words, they have nothing to show for their Christian walk. They didn't take responsibility for their talents, for what God has given them. They didn't serve Him. They didn't use those talents. They buried them. They they hid them. But then it says, there are those who will have precious jewels because you have lived your life as faithful servants and stewards for the kingdom. What does the Scripture say again? It says, and I was afraid... And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap? This is Jesus talking. Pay very close attention to this. I believe this is one of the most significant passages in the New Testament. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Who does the master represent? God, right? So the question is, God is saying, you knew that I Gather where I have not scattered seed, and I reap where I have not sown. So the question that is before us is this. When does God possibly gather where He's not scattered seed? When does God possibly reap where He has not sown? When? It's when we do it. It's when you and I do it. You see, you might say that creation was that moment when God ceased being everything so that we could be something. You and I, all of us, God has entrusted us with talents, with the keys of the kingdom, with authority, with love, with the Holy Spirit. And He's given us a purpose in our life and a calling. And we're talking about having a hearing heart. But unless you really grasp that God wants to speak to you and He wants to use you for His kingdom's sake, unless you really grasp that, you won't want to have a hearing heart. You won't care about having a hearing heart. But each of us that would claim that Jesus is our Lord We have a hill. We have our own little round top. And maybe for some of you right now, it's a fixed bayonet moment. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're weary. You've been fighting the fight. And you just almost want to say, I I give up. There are moments in our Christian journey where we have to fix bayonets, where it seems like it's almost hopeless. And yet, with God, nothing is impossible. And as a matter of fact, God uses weakness to display His strength. 
And so if that's you today, I want to encourage you, have faith in God. Have faith in what he's asking you to do. In order to contribute to the kingdom, we have to hear from God. The Bible says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You have to yield your heart to the Lord. A hearing heart starts with a yielded heart. I remember the first thing I heard the Lord say to me after he told me to receive him as Savior. The next thing he said to me was get up in front of church and share my testimony. I wanted to believe that that was Satan, not God. (laughs) I wanted to believe it was pizza from the night before, but not God. But I knew that I would never say that to myself because the greatest phobia on our planet is public speaking. And next to it, number two is death. (laughs) Number three is spiders. How many can you agree with that one? I think snakes should be up there, but that's just my opinion. But listen, I, I remember thinking, I mean, I'm shaking as, as I know that it's the Lord asking me to do this. Take one step, Steve, just one step. Be obedient. And I remember getting up there at that podium, shaking it like a leaf. And I shared my testimony. And honestly, I don't, I don't know what happened that morning. You know, people didn't miraculously get healed or fall down on their faces from my testimony. I couldn't tell you that anyone was even touched by it. But I was touched by it. When I finally yielded myself to God's purpose in my life, it made all the difference. I knew I could trust Him. God is all you need, but sometimes you don't know that until he's all you have. And in that moment when I'm sharing my testimony, I, I had to lean on him. And he proved faithful. What is your first step today? What is God calling you to do? Or maybe God's calling you to fix bayonets and keep taking the mountain. What's he speaking to you? Your contribution to the kingdom really matters. It really matters. Number two, observation. God desires to speak to us one-on-one. You see, each servant was given the same amount? No, a unique amount of talents based on their ability. One, five, one, two, one, one. God wants to speak to you one on one. I know sometimes that may be hard to believe, hard to even fathom that God cares, but He does. And He wants to speak to you. He wants, he wants to guide you daily. But you have to yield your heart to Him and say, God, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. I remember when I was first called into the ministry, I felt a deep love for students, for teenagers. And I think it was because I was a teenager. And I had a rough time as a teen in terms of accepting myself. 
And when I finally knew that God loved me unconditionally, it changed my whole life. It changed my whole world. And in that moment, those feelings, God used those feelings. That he used that love of other students going through the same problem. He used that to say, take a step. Take a step. And I remember I was in a church, and everyone was, you know, the age of the, the church was 70 and up, and then me. And I was supposed to be the youth pastor. <laughs> there were no youth. <laughs> but God said, be faithful where you're at. And so every once in a while, they'd bring their grandkids to church, and I'd have a youth group, you know. But we had two other sister churches, and they all had students. And so... You know, I would show up and I would be the youth leader because these other churches had students but no youth leader. Our church had a youth leader but no students. And wouldn't you know it, one day I show up and who is there but this beautiful young woman. Her name is Stephanie. And in that moment, I didn't know this till later, but when I was speaking to these students that I deeply loved and wanted to feel them to feel God's love, somewhere in there she said, I like that guy. And here we are, 31 years later. Obedience. What if I, what if I had not taken that step? What if I just said, well, we don't have any students here. You know, right now, God might be asking you to do something absolutely incredible, and you don't even see any logical uh, means behind it. But if God's saying to do it, take the first step. Maybe it's forgiving someone. Maybe it's stepping out into a ministry that you feel God's calling you to step into. Maybe it's loving your wife. Maybe it's Spending more time with your kids. I don't know what it would be. You have to listen for yourself because God speaks to you one-on-one. -on -one. Just as he did Moses. The Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face -face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He spoke to him face-to-face. -face. That's how he wants to speak to you, face-to-face. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And I love this. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and we will make our home with him. We have those who have trusted Christ. He lives inside of us. And he wants to speak to you. Open yourself up to that possibility. And then lastly, if you want to have a hearing heart, take responsibility, yield. Know that God wants to speak to you one-on-one. -on -one. But number three, misconceiving God's nature or his intent for our lives can be so dangerous. What did the unprofitable servant think of God? What did he say? He said, I knew you to be what? A hard man. Oh, that's so sad. 
Because the other servants did not feel that way about their master. As a matter of fact, there was excitement on both them and the master when they did what was told to them to do. But you see, this servant knew him to be a hard man. And it caused him to fear. And what did he do when he started fearing? He hid the, he hid the talent. Some of you need to know this morning, God is not mad at you. God actually loves you. For God so loved the world, even the world that was steeped in sin, even before Jesus had died on the cross, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know, the Bible says that nothing actually can separate you from God's love. Your height, nor depth, things present, things to come. No wickedness, no spiritual force. Principalities or powers. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And nothing will shut you down from serving him more than your perception of him as being a hard man. That he doesn't like you or that you're an accident. Let me tell you this morning, you are not an accident. But actually, God created you with purpose. He created you with something in mind to do. And I, I firmly believe that if there's many things that if we don't do them, they will be left undone. That's how much God loves you. He loves you enough to trust you with the keys to the kingdom, the talents. He loves you so much. This morning is a reminder of that. Jesus had a rhythm that he wanted to establish. And we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper today. So if you would just get out your bread. Nothing will shut down our communication and communion with God like misconceiving His true nature. If you didn't get an element of communion, just raise your hand. Someone will bring them around to you up here. So this morning, I, I want to encourage you to receive God's love. Let it sink in. Don't fight against it. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that God hates you. God actually loves you so much. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, it says that he took supper with his disciples. And he made a statement. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, there's two kinds of peace in this passage. There's a peace that the world gives, and, and there's nothing wrong with that peace. That peace is not negative. We have that peace when we have health, when our relationships are are established and, and going well. We have that peace when we have all of the means financially to be able to take care of things. You know, it's, it's great. We have that, that peace. But the problem is that that peace is fragile. That peace cannot last. You see, that peace can be, can be broken with something as simple as a phone call or a visit to the doctor. That peace can be broken by a ruptured relationship or a loss of a loved one. And that's why Jesus said, my peace I leave for you, not the world's peace do I give you, but I give you my peace. You see, his peace is not predicated on how you feel, on how much money you have, or whether your relationships are all perfect. You see, his peace is a peace that we know that we're connected to him, no matter what. No matter what may befall us, his peace cannot be taken away. Doesn't matter what kind of phone call you get, his peace will endure throughout all eternity. And it will endure throughout all eternity because Jesus was our substitute. He took all of our sin at the cross so that any who would call upon his name, it says, shall be saved. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. And it's just, a, it's just a prayer. Even now, your heart might be pounding and that's God saying, I love you, receive this. We could never earn it. We could never live the perfect life. But Jesus came, lived the perfect life, and died in our place so that we could be with Him for eternity. And if you want to receive that, then just say this simple prayer. Jesus, I receive you into my heart into my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I love you. You're not just my Savior, but you're my Lord. And I will follow you all the rest of the days of my life. Man, if you prayed that prayer, please come see me afterwards. I would love to just pray with you. Got something I'd like to give you as well. But this morning as we partake, let's remember that it's Jesus' peace that we should strive to gain, not the world's peace. Jesus' body was broken for you. Go ahead and partake.
Jesus paid a great price. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And yet, no one's blood was worthy. No one's blood was sinless. And that's why it would take Jesus. And this is a representation of his blood being poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of him. Go ahead. Now, if you just stand with me and bow your heads, I'd just like to pray over you this morning. Jesus, thank you for speaking to us today. God, may we take seriously the fact that what we do matters and that we have an effect on, on eternity. God, help us to know that you speak to us face-to-face, one-on-one. And Father, I pray, God, this morning that everyone here would sense your presence, sense your love. They would not look to you as a hard God, but they would look to you as a God of love. Yes, of judgment, and yes, of discipline, but all based on your love. Father, we thank you this morning. I pray you fill my brothers and sisters with your Holy Spirit for what you would call them to do today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's worship together.